You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's a big world out there, and you're just looking for a pat on the back or head. You're running around the city, searching for a place to bark, working your tail off with your nose to the ground, sniffing for a few scraps, hoping someone will throw you a bone. You take each lead, collar after collar, hoping one day to take a bite out of success and become the top dog. Fortunately, you come home each day to open arms, open cans, a drink waiting for you, and a comfortable place in front of a TV set. You know you've got it good, really good, because after all, it's a doggy dog world out there. Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with your host, pet expert and award-winning author, Liz Palaika, and this week's co-hosts, Kate Abbott and Petra Burke. Hi, welcome to It's a Doggy Dog World. I'm your host, Liz Palaika, and with me today, as always, are my good friends, Petra Burke. Hello. And Kate Abbott. How do. And before we get into our topic today, I want to say thank you to all our listeners. It's been very interesting lately. We've been contacted by listeners in Switzerland and Australia and New Zealand China China and South Africa. It's wonderful to hear from dog owners all over the world. It's just what a small world it is. It's a little (laughs) scary and a little humbling. (laughs) But also a lot of fun. So feel free to keep contacting us. We love to hear from you. If you've got a topic you'd like us to cover, drop us an email here at Pet Life Radio and uh, we'll certainly take a look at it and think about it and see if uh, it's something we can cover. There aren't many topics about dogs that we won't talk about. Yeah, <laughs> true. That's true. <laughs> if any. And we can bring yeah. almost any topic back to dogs. Yeah, yeah that's true too. <laughs> All right, today's topic is on play and the importance of play. And we decided to cover this because Kate has done some private training recently with a few clients where she's asked, What do you do to play with your dog? And they had no answer. And it's not often that I'm struck speechless. But when they said, well, one client in particular said, I don't play with my dog. And she looked uncomfortable. And I said, well, why not? She goes, well, I I don't know. It's kind of vaguely along the lines of play is a sin. Really? Again, I was speechless. Oh, sad. Yes. So I immediately gave her a, a myriad of scientific reasons. True. That you should, even though, you know, just fun comes at the top of the list for me. Right. But there are a lot of reasons to play. And the fun, let's go after that first. The fun is of playing with your dog is all about relationship building. Let's make that relationship with your dog the best it can be for so many reasons. And a stress reliever for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, they make you laugh. They do silly things. It reduces your stress overall. And See, all that came under scientific reasons. Oh, okay. Okay. (laughs) She needed needed justification. Sure. To play with her dog. We take it as a given. Of course you do. But, um, yeah, yeah. Anyway, there is another reason people don't play with their dogs. Why? Because it's not fun for them. Well, true. If the dog is out of control... And we'll talk about that in a little bit, too, yeah. when we talk about how to play with your dog. But true, if if the dog is out of control and... Then yeah. it's actually not fun for the person. Mm, sure. Okay. And, and that and, I understand. And an out-of-control dog can hurt the person, too. Yeah. But yeah, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. When thinking about the scientific reasons for play, I did do some research, and there have been a few studies on play. In recent years, it's become more important 
both for children and adults and mammals. I mean, I'm not saying whether SeaWorld should keep their mammals or not. I'm not not going into that topic because that's a hot button issue. But for the mammals that they have, they do play with them mm-hmm. because it is better for their mental health. Near us, the San Diego Zoological Society is huge on environmental enrichment and and play. And you often go by enclosures that have food dispensing toys or treats and foods that are hidden all over the place. They know the importance of play. And granted, it's not an, as interactive with a keeper as it would be a dog and an owner. But still, it's the importance of play. Well, this time of uh, year, they start giving like the polar bears the um, pumpkins. pumpkins. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, and just and, to play with. And the, uh, the elephants and mm-hmm. so forth. But that's nature. Yeah. I mean, even if it's nature. You watch them out there in the wild, they play. Yeah. They'll find anything to play with. Right. There are so many benefits just, to play. And I, I suspect Liz is going to talk about them. Yes, we are. <laughs> and let's talk about the physical importance of play. One of these studies that I, I looked at, a researcher at the University of Lethbridge in Alberta, Canada, his name is Sergio Pellis, and I apologize if I pronounced it wrong. But one of the comments he made is that the experience of play changes the connections of the neurons at the front end of your brain. And I'm sure there's a better name for it than the front end of your brain. But that's what he said. He was layman's terms. Yeah, yeah, he was writing it for us, us laymen. And he said, and without play experience, those neurons aren't charged or changed. So play actually changes our brain. In good ways. In good ways, yeah. And it said in puppyhood or childhood or kittenhood or for Baby well, horses. Uh, or, or adulthood. <laughs> or, yeah, but he's, he's talking specifically about the young the as young. they're growing and developing. Mm-hmm. He says that play prepares that young brain for life. And not just for life, but also for learning. He says there needs to be supervised play and there needs to be free play. And he said free play with no coaches, no umpires, no rule books. And Kate and I were talking about this earlier with the so-called risky playgrounds, which when we were all growing up, I know when my folks and I lived in New England, I would take off on a Saturday, bring my lunch with me and come back in time for dinner. And I would be out in the woods and climbing trees and pretending I was Mm -hmm. a cowboy and an Indian or a horse. And I would be jumping over logs and whinnying. Yeah, we grew up with that. My imagination. there's a name for it for the kids these days. And to us, that was normal. Right. That was normal play. But that was risky play. It was risky play. I mean, there was one time, and my mother doesn't know this, and hopefully she doesn't listen to the podcast. (laughs) But one time, I always drank out of this spring. It was a crystal clear spring that came out of a rock. And one time I bent down to put my face in the water, and there was a snake looking back at me. And I just... I didn't freak out. I just looked at him and said, hi, Mr. Snake, (laughs) and got my drink and then moved away slowly. I knew enough to do it slowly. Found out later he was a water moccasin. But (laughs) you know what? He didn't bite me. I didn't disturb him. That was risky play. But, you know, sometimes... But that's one of the benefits that they've talked about with risky play is you learn... That there is danger. Yeah. You learn to 
what do I want to say? Mitigate uh, it. Evaluate it. Yeah. Decide what the risks are and how you're going to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Sure. I didn't freak out. And that's a very uh, valuable skill. Yeah. I didn't panic. But from then on, I looked for him before I got a drink. Okay. I still drank out of that spring, but I looked for but him. But you learned from that risk right. management. Right, right. And now I know all our listeners who are mothers are probably going, oh my God, no, not me. Yes, and I know it it is risky and I was very lucky, but... But to never have any risk doesn't teach you a lot of valuable stuff too. Right, right, There's, you know, got to be a middle ground. With our puppy classes, we have on a different night, all of the puppies that are enrolled in the puppy class. We do the AKC Puppy Star program as well as our own puppy program. It's combined. Can come on a different night for an hour for puppy playtime. Now, this is a supervised puppy play. In other words, we don't allow dogs to become bullies. We'll give them a time out if they get too excited. All of the dogs there are of the appropriate age and they have already been cleared for class so that we know they've had their vaccinations. Vaccinations and are healthy. And we're not asking babies to play with teenagers or adults. And sometimes we'll set up an X-Pen to let teeny tiny ones or scared ones be on the periphery. But It's awesome to watch the changes from the first puppy play and as they grow up. There is a number of dogs right now currently in it, but one in particular. The first time he came to puppy play, and he was one of the older dogs. Older puppies. Older puppies, excuse me. Yeah, Um, and he had not been around other dogs. He was very people-oriented. But the first time they came to puppy play, and I said, drop the leash, let him go. And the other puppies are running around. He was terrified. He jumped onto the bench next to his owners and sat there and looked wide-eyed and shaking. Oh, my God, they're just running around like wild Indians. Now, he, anybody that, any person that wanted to pet him, oh, hi, how are you? Any dog that came near him, no, get away, ah, you're crazy. So last week was his last playtime. He was out there as part of it. He would lead the charge running around the field with the other ones chasing him or turn around and be part of the pack chasing somebody else rough and tumble run play he has learned how to use his mouth without biting hard he has learned that the other puppies can bite him and he can say ouch that's too hard stop it or yeah yeah this is fun let's chew on each other some more his confidence level in the rest of his life as well was pretty good now it's even better Mm mm-hmm And we see that development in the puppies. And I think it's so much more effective in playing with other puppies at the same stage of life rather than an older dog. And an older dog can be a good playmate and can teach them, as my older dog Bashir has done with my puppy Bones. Bones would be a much different dog, I think, if Bashir hadn't given him all that guidance. And but, the last puppy play, Bashir sat at the gate and went, they're just being incredibly too wild. Oh, well, we had just, a... Just let me in there and I will settle them all down. Yes, we had a big group yesterday and it got rowdy at times and Bashir was horrified. Oh, let me in there. I will tell them to calm down. Yes. In my more <sighs> paranoid moments, when I'm really doing crisis management and, and I'm, well, I'm worried about this one. Okay, I don't want him to be right. a bully. This one's scared or did and I get too caught up in it. That's when I call it, it's like taking, oh, second graders mm-hmm. and giving them all knives and saying, go play. 
But the reality is that dogs are born with their knives. They have to learn how to manage them. Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. So if they don't, then they have a high probability of using their knives to kill. Right. Or at least damage. Hurt. Hurt. As opposed to learning how to use them appropriately, just a little bit. Right. So when they're when they're playing and having fun, I get to giggle and laugh and have fun. But sometimes it is like, oh, they're all playing with knives. Right. But that's part of risky play. And we are not going to defang all of our dogs to make them safe. That was one of the points that was made in this study also, is that one of the functions of play is to prepare the brain for social interactions. Yeah. That it gives the puppies a chance to learn how to interact with others. And and I think it goes beyond just puppies playing with other puppies, learning how to engage with other puppies, but it gives them skills in, in how to engage with people, too. One of the puppies bites another puppy too hard. The puppy being bitten goes, ow, and refuses to play with him anymore. And the puppy who's been too rough goes, huh, that didn't work the way I wanted it to work. And if they don't get the message, then a human steps in. Right. And then they get it outside. But that, that isn't... It needs to be supervised to a degree. Right. And, I, and that's the big difference between the puppy play that we have and taking a puppy to the dog park. You know, we usually have at least two trainers supervising, if not three, and sometimes even four. And I know last night there was, what, three of us, and our eyeballs were going constantly because it was a pretty rowdy group. It's been so hot, and last night was cooler, and boy, they all felt it. (laughs) But it is supervised with our rules that we teach. Oh, it's been a couple of months now, but there was a puppy who really wanted to be a bully. He really did. And um, it was just fun. Yeah. It was fun to make the other puppy squeal. Right. And so I was constantly interrupting him, saying, you know what, knock that off, time out, here in my hands, calm down. Right. You got to the point where all I had to do is give him a hairy eyeball, and he'd say, oh, right, okay, and and control himself. Well, we had a golden retriever last night who was being pretty yeah. rowdy, and yeah. she needed to be taken in hand a couple times. Sometimes they just they get so excited, the adrenaline takes over their thought processes. Right, right. Yeah, but they are learning social interaction, primarily puppy to puppy, but also human to puppy. Sure, yeah. Um, so, anything else we need to talk about of why it's important? I mean, I think we covered that. Shall we talk about <coughs> some games? Games are great. Games. One game that that we do like that has gotten <coughs> a bad rap from many trainers is uh, tug of war. Now, I have in in articles and books I have cautioned dog owners about tug-of-war because I think tug-of-war games are one of those things that they can be wonderful and they can teach the puppy and it can be a rewarding game or it can go horribly wrong. Well, look at the name. Tug-of-war. I think Mm -hmm. tug needs rules to be played correctly. Right. Right. And that's the part about making the play fun for both human and dog. And if it becomes resource guarding... Um, then it's not a game anymore. Then it's a battle. So let's talk about how to teach the rules with tug-of-war. Or what, what should the rule be? Well, and I did that this morning. So I did a private training with a, a young terrier. 
and he did not know the rules of tug. And his rules were hang on and just shake, shake, carry on, pull back as hard as you can until finally the people get tired and let you have it. Yay, I want it. And then he run off and hide it somewhere. So I used a long enough toy that he could shake and have all that fun. But at the very beginning, he got it for about two seconds before my other hand was shoving a treat near his nose. And then I just waited. And it was a really good treat. And he went, oh, can't take the treat unless you spit out the toy. So he disengaged, kind of a little bit like, really? Is this just a trick you're going to... And I let him have the treat, told him he was wonderful. He swallowed. I shoved that toy back in his face. So as I played for a few minutes, I let him shake a little bit more, get a little more excited about it. Then my body language went still, and I shoved that treat out. And as he was more easily giving up the toy to take the treat, then I started telling him, give! Oh, that's lovely. Isn't that wonderful to give? And within a very short ter- period of time, it's a grown-up dog, he, um, I could say give just a second before I produced the treat, and he was already trying to disengage. So I start at the end of the game. The end of the game has enough, is the puppy dog having enough self-control to give up this desirable thing to get something else. And that's what I was explaining to the owners. And you slowly build up the, the worth, the value of the toy. The longer you play with it, the more he shakes and wrestles with it, the more valuable it becomes. So at the beginning, keep it short and sweet. But then, let him gradually get more excited. Now, if you play for five minutes and you offer him a treat and he goes, No, I won't give this up for anything in the world. Well, then you have pushed too far. Okay? Then you need to start the game back at a slower speed and build up. I mean, you don't take somebody and throw them, teach him. Oh, weird analogy warning. Sorry. <laughs> it just flashed on me. You don't put somebody oh, in a car and say, Go 120 miles an hour and then stop. You know, you stop at 5 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. You stop at 10 miles an hour. And you, you build up their ability But 120 stop. is so much fun. I'm, yes, <laughs> yes. Those of you that like that. That's Liz's kind of game. Yes. <laughs> so another one that we play a lot of are find-it games. Oh, yeah. Those are fun. I mean, I'm doing it now. We probably mentioned the early podcast. I have now a puppy. He's now six months old. They oh, grow so fast. They grow so fast. Yeah. <laughs> but what's been fun is doing the find it game. Um, you know, initially to teach them what we're we're doing, what we're trying to say is is having the puppy move. Well, actually, you can stand next to the puppy and just toss a treat in front of him and tell him to find the treat, and then toss a little further and tell him to find it. We're now to where we're actually have gotten to um, use a ball. That's his first thing. And now we toss a ball, tell him to find the ball. That's always a fun game to do. He's also learning how to find the other dogs, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Or the chickens. So we're gradually getting to all these other little little places. And it's so nice because he looks at you and like, what do I need to find? And then he does it. And when he does it, it's like, yes! And it's, it's a big old party every time. So in scientific terms, you have <laughs> to treat first Which started as an immediate um, motivator yes. and reward in and of itself to... Find an object. Mm -hmm. And then as he starts to understand what find means, then he can apply that concept to other objects or people or living things. Exactly. And it's still fun. Now this morning with that same terrier, I dropped a treat like six inches away on the floor and said, find it. And he went, where? Who is it? What? 
Yeah, that was has to too much for him. Yeah. I may have to have to. Um, I had to back off to just making him watch me as I placed it on the floor, took my finger off, and said, "Find it." Yeah. Okay, so he did not know how to even play that game. It's amazing a lot of dogs don't under, and if they don't, back it up. Mm-hmm. You remember when I first got my Jack Russell Terrier? Yeah, there is one who didn't know how to play. He did not know how to play. He yeah. spent six well, months in the poor, poor Cisco didn't either. Right. No, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, they had yeah. been deprived. So yeah. we had to teach our dogs how to play. And Cisco, even now at four, still has some issues playing with other dogs. Sometimes he gets too loud. Sometimes he gets too rough. He's much, much better. Oh, He's definitely. much, much better. But I can still say the difference, Cisco was a rescue. Bones was a puppy I raised from, from puppyhood. Bashir I raised from puppyhood. So Bashir and Bones from a breeder from puppyhood. Cisco a rescue was a little bit older. He was still a puppy, but he was an older puppy. He was getting ready to go into adolescence. The difference in their skills, because I play with my dogs, mm-hmm. and they play with each other. Poor Cisco's skills are just not the same. It's not as innate for him. Right. It's not he, as unthinking. He, right. He, and that's it exactly. He has to think about it. And sometimes when he gets overexcited and he's not thinking, he doesn't automatically go to those play skills like the other dogs do. So, But you notice that's interesting because I have my puppy's a half-brother to Liz's bones. And their breeder taught the puppies from the very beginning of what play is and different objects. Oh, she starts so early and it's so wonderful. Oh my gosh. And it's anything from pots and pans to creatures. I remember she had these funky creature, spidery, weird things in the pen with um, Poncho's group. Yeah. Scared me. The puppies are all over (laughs) how much fun that is. And empty oatmeal cardboard containers and Squeaky toys and yeah. different surfaces and, and ramps to walk up and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. yeah. And then compared to where Cisco came from, right? goat farm. Yeah. Yeah. It was just goats, you know. Yeah. It's just interesting there um, in itself. Um, yeah. I know one of the other fun games, we teach it in our in our class. Yeah, I always love to dogs to use their nose. Mm-hmm. And, ex- and Poncho is extremely treat motivated, as you guys know. <laughs> and... Having the uh, a treat in the hand, or one in one hand, nothing in the other, and have him use his nose. That find it game find again. Find it game. Mm-hmm. And just having her just open, you know, he's still a baby, so I just have my fist open just a little bit with a really good smelly treat. And he sniffs the both hands, and all of a sudden he pushes on one. Pardon us, that's Kate's Walter. <laughs> Apparently he heard a ghost. <laughs> There are, by the way, there's one, two, three, four, five, six dogs in here with us as we're recording. <laughs> and Walter's on guard duty. Yeah, Walter thinks he's duty. on guard duty. But anyway, with the with the uh, game hiding your hands, just you have a really good smelly treat. It could be oh. good smelling cheese or hot dogs. Have it one hand, have it not tightly clenched, just enough where the dog figures out which hand it is and get rewarded to him and switch back and forth. That's a fun little game. Okay, to do. so the game for you is can he find the treat and let Using you know? his nose. And Instead of the name game, it's the nose game. But the other stuff they're learning. What happens if the dog says the treat's in there and I will chew my way through your knuckles? Oh, that wouldn't be good. Would there it? you go. <laughs> so now you can teach the mm-hmm. puppy dog don't don't just bite at a treat. Exactly. Ask me 
to open up your, my hand. Mm-hmm. So they learn to nuzzle and lick in you and say, can I have it? Because they're Their idiots. version of please. So now they're learning manners. And again, to be careful with those knives. Yeah, exactly. In the process of playing a game. So, yes, it's just darn fun. But look mm-hmm. at how you, the other stuff that you're teaching a puppy dog. Another also, one that... Excuse me. It also teaches them that you have wonderful stuff. Yeah. And if they behave correctly, they will get some of that wonderful stuff. Mm-hmm. A much more personable, personal first way than just here's food in a bowl. Exactly. Another game that's a lot of fun is to use the dog's desire to chase stuff and the flirt poles. Oh, my gosh. And uh, Kate actually makes flirt poles that our students can purchase, and she uses lunch whips for horses. In bright, beautiful colors. (laughs) In bright neon colors, and makes fleece-braided toys in the matching colors. (laughs) (laughs) Which the dog doesn't really care about the colors, but the owners do. And you use that to play chase games, but it also combines the tug-of-war game Mm -hmm. and the give to give up the toy. So the dog has no idea that it's an educational game. He gets to chase the toy that's twitching and going around on the end of this equine lunch whip, which you can also use like a bamboo fishing pole if it's strong enough. But the, Not fishing line, though. Not fishing, not fishing line. line but the lunch whips are nicer because they have a rope on it. Mm-hmm. They're sturdy. Mm-hmm. I went through a lot of variations. I started with fishing poles, which yep. usually I'd end up breaking off the top third. But I just use the bottom two thirds and continue playing. But again, not with fishing line, right. but with a, a light twine. Um, and I even tried a PVC pipe. Oh, I bet that was quite brittle. It wasn't so much brittle, but it was it was a two handed awkward to use it. It was yeah. heavy, yeah, heavy like that. Yeah, and different toys and different lengths. But the lunge whips, they have the great grip on them already to hold on to. And that just a little bit of flexibility of the pole itself when the dog grabs it. They're about six feet. The rigid portion is about six feet. And then the continuation of the rope is another seven feet or so. And then you Mm -hmm. add the toy onto that. So particularly for people, uh, people that have some medical issues or they're just older and their dog is young. And you get to stand there. And flick this thing around. And, and the, the dogs, dogs love it. Oh my gosh, they go crazy. And you, you combine that play with the lunch whip with the toy on the end with your give that you would teach with the uh, tug of war. You know, swap the toy for a treat, teach him give. Um, bring, and, it. Bring, and yeah, bring it. Bring, bring it, it back. Mm-hmm. So there's lots of lo- learning opportunities that go along with that play. I worked on this toy making it easy to use because I, it became so valuable for teaching my uh, Jack Russell. Mm-hmm. I mean, terriers are meant to go off and do stuff on their own. I really wanted him to bond with me. Mm-hmm. So I needed to find a reason for him to bond with me other than I just give him food in a warm lap. Sure. Um, so that the adrenaline rush that he got from chasing stuff was also me, and not just the lizards in the backyard. Mm-hmm. So yes, I make them, but I, they also, at the same time, get a two-page handout on how to use it. <laughs> you know, start it's just with the hit. toy and the gift, and then let them have a little more rope and the gift. The nice thing about having the toy attached is 
you don't want the puppy dog to grab the toy and run off to the far end of the the, the yard and say the game is over. Right. I've got this thing. As the dog has better skills, I can use it to teach even higher self-control. Puppy dogs sit and wait. And then the first time you even touch the toy, they're probably going to break from their weight. You put them back in it. So now I can have my dog sit, wait, and I'm flicking the toy right past their nose. And the entire body is quivering. And then I release them and tell them to kick. And they get to go run and play. So delay of the start of the game is another. I just found so many uses for teaching while running off energy and having a blast and giggling and laughing myself. And you know, it's all for dogs of all sizes. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, we demo it in class from the little dogs, and I've got Palms, and then I've got the Aussies and the English Shepherd, and same lunge whip, same lunge, or flirt pole, we should say. And then in class, we show it anywhere from the little, your dogs, the Jack Russells, up to um, the labs. Now, I will say, I do play it slightly different with Bashir, who's much bigger than my other two, and and very muscular, even at 10 years old. When he grabs the toy, I let go of the pole. Right. And let it go. Because as strong as he is and as powerful and as hard running and as competitive as he is, when he grabs the toy, he hits it hard. And if he's continuing to run, I don't want to yank his head or neck. So I let go of the pole. He drags it off a little bit. I ask him to bring it back. And then we start Mm -hmm. all over. Mm -hmm. So I think with some dogs, there's a little variation in the game. in my safety yeah. Safety portion of the handout. <laughs> but I've also started attaching the toy to the lunge whip by using bungee cord. Yeah. So yeah. that if the dog does grab it, you're not quick enough. That there's at least a, there's a some reduction gift. in the amount right. of right. drinking. Right. 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 Now, another game, which has actually no educational value whatsoever, but it's a fun game that you laugh at, Blowing Bubbles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Letting your dog play with the water from the hose. Setting up a sprinkler and letting your dog play in it. Remember Riker playing with the sprinkler? Oh, yeah. Oh, Oh, he absolutely loved that. That does bring a point for me. We saw a couple of dogs the other day that they were hyper, and they were adrenaline junkies. Right. And they were playing the game of chase the flashlight or chase the The laser. laser. Yeah. We're not real fans of that. The issue I see there is that there's nothing, there's no uh, conclusion to the game except you turn off the light, and it's very unsatisfying. It leaves the dog going, I never caught anything. Right. So I do not recommend those. Right. But, you right. know, chasing the water and thing and chasing the, the bubbles, bubbles, that they get to, yes, they got it. Mm-hmm. And when I play bubbles, I'm the one blowing the bubbles, and I'm encouraging the dog, and woohoo, yay, you got it, awesome, get it, get it. And the same thing with the water and the sprinklers. Yes, the sprinklers going round and round and round, and the water's coming out. But all these games I'm a part of, even if I'm not in the water with the sprinkler, which I am not, I'm encouraging the dog and laughing and having fun. So it's still the dog and it's I. It's still a partnership. Yep. Right. Now, some other games that we've talked about in previous podcasts, but certainly need to be brought up again because they are interactive with the dog and owner, and, and those are the brain games. Love those games. Love those. Um, I mean, not just us. I mean, the dogs. You see, if we take any of those brain games out, 
All so our guys are like, yeah. We are now at the point where we have two plastic bins <laughs> yeah. filled with various of these games, and uh-huh. every now and then we'll take them down to a group class and load them out, around, load them up, load them, spread them out around the, uh, and just mm-hmm. to watch. The owners and the dogs have a great time out there. First, it's good for the owner, one, to participate in the game with their dog, but also with many of the games, there's some teaching involved. The owner has to use their teaching skills that we're trying to teach in obedience classes because it's not just sit, down, stay, but it's about teaching the owner how to communicate with their individual dog. You know, and I think uh, that part is... their dog. Well, that part alone... Is complicated. Because yeah. you'd be amazed how many of these simple little brain games you set it down and the owner looks at you like, What do I do? <laughs> what do I do? Or they just look at the dog and go, Okay, go ahead. And the yeah, dog looks yeah. At them, what do I do? Yeah. yeah. And they both sit there and go home. Yeah, they both look yeah. at the game, look at each other. What do we do? Yeah. Yeah, so the brain and game for the owner and the dog. So the owner has to recognize when the dog is stymied mm-hmm. and jump in and communicate to the dog how to do it. Mm hmm. Then they get to work together and laugh together. Right, mm-hmm. right. A good example of it, and again, we've mentioned this on a previous podcast. I know we have. But one trip, we were in a cabin yeah. in the Redwoods in Northern California. That was one of our best trips. Though. Yeah. yeah so and many of the days, we were walking the dogs all through the Redwood Forest. And then one day, it rained. God, I missed that rain. That was so cool. Rain. Water from what a the concept. sky. We are in such a drought in California that it's bad. But I've almost forgotten the definition of rain. It's water falling. I right? believe from so. Out yes, of from the sky uh, yeah. and not and from then, a yeah. sprinkler. Not from <laughs> a sprinkler. Yeah. yeah. But Those white gray things up there. I think <laughs> water come out cloud. of it. I've heard of them. Cla- oh, clouds. 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 Yeah. No, isn't that iCloud where you store your data? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we had gone to town and picked up some groceries, and we saw, I think it was in a CVS, a wooden brain game. Interactive toy, I think, is their correct name. We call them brain games. And so we're sitting in the cabin, one-room cabin, and I believe we had, what, six dogs with us? It was about the time we noticed that Noah was going by. Yes. Yeah, it's raining Noah, so hard. Noah and his ark were going by, and we had six dogs in the cabin with us, bored out of their skulls. Climbing the walls. Yeah. So to prevent dog fights and, and humans killing dogs, <laughs> we made five dogs do downstays while one dog got to play with the brain game. Mm-hmm. And after about two times around of all the dogs... They were tired. Yeah. Their brains were tired and they were ready to take naps. And I think that's when we had played with the games before, but I think that's when we became devotees. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. think now when we go on a trip, we make sure we have at least we, one with us. We yeah. always pack them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Because there are times when we cannot exercise them physically enough. But mental exercise, physical exercise, and emotional exercise. Mm-hmm. As I told my uh, clients this morning, you can be just as tired sitting at the desk doing three hours of tax returns. Oh, gosh, yeah. As playing around with golf. It's a different kind of tired, but they both And you need a little of both. Yeah. Or all three, really. I mean, we, we stress that to our students all the time. Physical and, and mental. a stay is a mental and emotional exercise. Well, mm-hmm. another... Dog place? Oh, yeah. 
We had Dodge City. Yeah, quivering and yeah. And then one last type of play, which is play and training. And and again, we've talked about it on previous podcasts, but it bears repeating. Trick training. Yeah. People tend to think that trick training is is only for fancy dogs or dogs going to do commercials. Listen to me. I don't care if he rolls over. Yeah, but (laughs) trick training. And I'd say you're such a grouch. (laughs) Heck, I've written two books on trick training. Trick training is is training. You're still communicating with your dog. You're still motivating to have him to work for you, but yet you're doing fun stuff and you laugh. Mm-hmm. You laugh. All our dogs know tricks. I almost wish that people would approach sit down, stay, and come as though they were tricks. And s- sometimes they do. Sometimes we can get that attitude conveyed. If, if that's the way we taught our classes, we wouldn't get as many because most people are just like, I need the dog to stop driving me crazy. Yeah, I want to stop him from running out the front door. But I I wish they would use the same voice for sit, stay, as Mm -hmm. they do for shake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or play dead. Yeah. Sit. Mm -hmm. And come. It's still obeying you. Yeah. But first we have to get them, we have to help them get the puppy dog under control most of the time. Right. And then we can teach them how much fun it is. Right. And trick training is a blast. I mean, they've got to remember, they have to know the commands, do the physical action, and everybody's laughing. And sometimes it can be quite useful. Yes. So it's used to be on TV, you saw the dog bringing you your pipe and slippers. Yes. So in a way, that's a trick. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. But I don't have a pipe, but my puppy dog brings me my slippers. Bashir goes out and gets my newspaper every morning. Theoretically, I mean, it's a fine line between obedience and play. But we come at it as though it's playing a trick. Yeah. But yes, they're doing wonderful stuff. And okay, so I purposely, I purposely drop at least one damp towel to the bathroom floor so that Cisco can pick it up and take it to the hamper for me. Now, is it easier for me to carry it to the hamper? Of course, but he gets so much joy out of it. Mm-hmm. And I've started and, doing that with Poncho with socks. There you yeah. go. He gets, sees me drop the sock, he looks at it, picks it up, brings it to me. I'm like, thank you, good boy. Beautiful. So now we're doing it with socks. Yeah. And eventually you work you up know? to the hamper. Exactly. And if he has the joy of putting your dirty socks in the hamper, he's much less likely to take it off and eat it. Yeah, right? Exactly. So again, I keep making it useful, see? Yeah. (laughs) Trying to come up with justification (laughs) reasons. There are scientific reasons to have fun. When you laugh, you increase the oxygenation in your blood, and you use the muscles in your abdomen. All right. Right, 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 right. All right. We need to calm Kate down now. So on that note... Play with your dog. Make Kate a happy person. (laughs) And we'll see you on our next podcast. Take care. Bye-bye. Having a rough day? Longing for the dog days of summer? Think your fun furry friend lives a dog's life? Well, find out everything you're begging to know as Pet Life Radio presents It's a Doggy Dog World with pet expert and award-winning author Liz Palaika. Every dog has his day, and you'll find out how to make your dog's day fun and rewarding every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.